Hello, and welcome to One World, One Health, with the latest ideas to improve the health of our planet and its people. I'm Maggie Box. Planet Earth faces problems such as pollution, climate change, and new and re-emerging infectious diseases. And just like all of us on this planet, they're all linked. This podcast is brought to you by the One Health Trust with bite-sized insights into ways to help. A young German woman who lost her hands and feet to sepsis, a mother in Arkansas who caught methicillin-resistant Staph aureus in the hospital while giving birth, who couldn't hold her own newborn until she was treated, a Dutch researcher who found the tulip bulb industry was spreading drug-resistant fungus. These and other stories are featured in The Silent Pandemic, a documentary that dramatizes the issue of antimicrobial resistance. Drug-resistant superbugs go beyond antibiotic-resistant bacteria and include viruses that defy multiple drugs, fungal infections that shake off entire classes of medicines, and malaria parasites that thrive in the face of multiple pharmaceuticals. In this episode, we're chatting with Michael Vich, who wrote and directed The Silent Pandemic. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You've done a wide range of work looking at tennis star Boris Becker, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, Formula One driver Michael Schumacher, but you keep coming back to health issues and especially drug-resistant superbugs. You directed The Silent Pandemic out last year, but also a piece in 2019 about resistance fighters. What's the special appeal to you? Well, I was uh, hospitalized with a bacterial infection back in 2015, twice actually in two years' time, and um, resistance was not the issue, but the antibiotics really helped me overcome this disease that I had. And I started for the first time in my life really to question what is the real value of antibiotics. And I wasn't really aware. Of course, I knew what antibiotics are, but I wasn't aware of the real, how precious they are and how much they are needed by doctors. And in my case, I don't want to say they saved my life, but they really helped me overcome my disease. And in this documentary, the story arc, you start with a U.S. patient who was at risk of um, disease because of antibiotic resistance. She had cystic fibrosis. You feature a company that dropped its efforts to make antibiotics because it just doesn't pay to make them. Then you interview a young German woman who lost her hands and feet to sepsis. And it not only didn't help when she got treatment, but the delay in treatment cost her her hands and feet. How did you choose these particular examples? Well, we have several patient stories in this documentary. And I think, first of all, it, I think it helps because it relates. Everybody can understand their ailments. Everybody can understand what they went through, even though these are probably cases that most of us have never any contact with. We never hear about them. Our neighbors, friends, maybe never had these diseases, but they do exist. So I think, first of all, it really appeals to everybody to understand the problem, which is a very complicated issue, actually. So these two cases that you mentioned, I think the first case of Ella Balasa, a young woman from Richmond, Virginia, I think it entails the whole story of antibiotic resistance because in her case, very, very unlike mine, her life depends on the functioning antibiotics. And she's starting to realize that she has to take antibiotics every day, but she starts to realize that the treatments she takes no longer work as efficiently as they did. That means resistance is creeping and for her it could cost her life. And she even goes so far saying that she doesn't know how long her life will be sustainable without these drugs. And I think that is very 
very in search of another term which would be more appropriate. Do you think documentaries are an effective way of educating people about these kinds of problems? Yeah, I think very much so. I think we're living in a very, very complex world. World, The issues that we have to deal with and the amount of information coming towards us, I think it's very difficult for everybody to just digest that on a day-to-day basis. And the issues that are, they are growing, both in importance, but also in complexity. It's not so easy to understand, for example, climate change. And it's not so easy to understand antibiotic resistance. It's very difficult to explain in probably two or three minutes. You might be able to explain, but I think it takes this emotional appeal so people can not only understand in terms of digesting the information, but I think it strikes their heart if they get it presented in a storytelling mode. And this is what I'm trying in my work. I'm combining the scientific knowledge, but it's not only, I'm not only carrying the scientific knowledge from A to B, I'm trying to translate it so it appeals to everybody without losing the information on the way. In making this documentary, what did you discover that surprised you? I think the most surprising story was the entry of antibiotic resistance genes, one really has to say, into the environment. It's a story about a fungus, Aspergillus fumigatus, in the Netherlands. And this fungus is inhaled by everybody. Everybody is inhaling the spores of this fungus. It's just found in decaying plant material. It's not harmful. But our immune system deals with it. You know, you inhale 200 spores, our immune system takes care of this. But people whose immune system is compromised, they have a very hard time. It detects them very, very strongly. So they need antibiotics, or in this case, antifungals, to deal with it. And in the Netherlands, they discovered that there's a resistance growing in these fungi against the existing fungicides. And they were not finding any solution. They were asking themselves the question, why does this resistance appear in a patient who has never been treated with this antifungal medicine before? And they started to make their research and they found out that it is in the environment. And I'm shortening it up a little bit because it's a real, it's like a detective story and you will see it in the film. What they come up with is they are able to show how the use of antifungals in agriculture, in this case in the flower industry, which is extremely strong in the Netherlands. Uh, they make a lot of money with flour and also with flower buds. And the treatment of these flowers with antifungals, which is the same active compound as in the antifungals for humans, is bringing this resistance into the environment. And I've never seen, you know, the whole picture of what people usually refer to as one health, but it's a very abstract compound concept. You never, I'm always thinking, well, how can I make people understand what is one health? It's very complicated. And this example just shows how you do something in agriculture, not related to human medicine at all. It's completely very far away, but it affects the way people take antifungal medicine in the hospital. And that was very striking. And then in, in exploring these problems, you've discovered that there are some solutions as well. Well, yeah, the, the solution the solution would be, um, well, first of all, you have the flower industry accept that they are causing this resistance, which is very, very difficult because why should they? So you need to come up with a really sound and hard scientific proof, which happened. And then the scientists in Holland, they were able to convince the flower industry to do something about it and stop the use of these antifungals in their agricultural work. 
And these these stories we've been talking about up to now look at the West, but what's going on in the rest of the world? Well, I think it's obvious that the problem of antibiotics is much, much stronger in the global south. Um, we're having another look, for example, at Pakistan, where for the first time in 2016, extensive drug resistance typhoid was found. Three women scientists from the Aga Khan Hospital in Karachi, they were able to detect the source. Where did this extensive drug resistance typhoid break out? So they were able to find it. Also, at the same time, they were able to convince the Pakistani government, which is very, very strong step that they took, to make use of, a, of an emergency vaccine, which by coincidence, had just been released by the WHO. And Pakistan was one of the first places where this vaccine was put into use very, very quickly. And over a short period of time, they were able to uh, vaccine hundreds of thousands of children, saving their life and also stopping the spread of these uh, extensive drug resistance typhoid all over the world. And I think this is why when you say, well, the global south, it seems far away, but these bugs travel. And also the resistance genes, which are found on individual pathogens, they also travel with the pathogen or without. So once the mutation is there, the mutation which is causing a very specific resistance against one antibiotic, it's there. And it can stay with a particular pathogen, but it can also be that another bacteria is picking up this resistance mechanism from his neighbor, a different bacteria. That is the main problem. And this is why once a resistance is out there, it's just causing problems. What would you advise the average person that they can personally do to help fight this problem? One of the most important insights that I personally drew from dealing with the subject is uh, also tied to a patient story of uh, a young woman, Christina Furman, who is also in the documentary. Her problem was antibiotic-resistant pathogens developed in her body because of overuse. She is a case and she's sort of saying it herself, I have misused antibiotics. I've taken it for this. I've taken it for that. I've taken it for this. So she was taking antibiotics con constantly. And in her case, it shows perfectly that an overuse or a misuse of antibiotics leads to resistance. So we must come back to understanding these antibiotics are very powerful drugs, but they only work if we use them extremely carefully and only when they're appropriate to use should we use them. And nowadays we're living in societies where we take them like candy. But they are wonder drugs. In the 1950s, when they were invented, they were hailed as wonder drugs. They saved people's lives in situations where before people would just die because you couldn't treat a bacterial infection properly. Now with antibiotics, you can. And in order for this powerful instrument still to be available to us in the future, we might use it carefully and accept that it's something very, very precious. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thank you for having me. If you like this podcast, which is brought to you by the One Health Trust, please share it by email, LinkedIn, or your favorite social media platform. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about at OWOH at OneHealthTrust.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to One World, One Health, brought to you by the One Health Trust. I'm Ramanan Lakshminarayan, founder and president of the One Health Trust. You can subscribe to One World, One Health on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
follow us on social media at One Health Trust, one word, for updates on One World, One Health, and the latest in research on One Health issues like drug resistance, disease spillovers, and the social determinants of health. Finally, please do consider donating to the One Health Trust to support this podcast and other initiatives and research that help us promote health and well-being worldwide. Until next time.